Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Tracy Osborne, and you're listening to the Daring Woman Podcast. Imagine the story of a generation being altered by women who were empowered to live their truth and in turn can empower others to live theirs. It's time to rewrite the narrative. Can you imagine being a seven-year-old child, full of life, vibrant, joyful, loud, boisterous, and then one morning you wake up and your voice is gone, literally gone. I, I you know, I, I could imagine um, literally losing my voice. You know, sure, we all go through those stages where we have a cold and we end up with laryngitis. And, um, you know, it's, it's great when my kids do that because then the house is quiet for a couple of days. But to actually have your child lose her voice permanently or so that they were told um, is just something that I, I just couldn't even fathom as a parent, let alone as a person. So my guest today, Galit... I know I'm going to bridge your name, Galit Ventura Rosen. <laughs> I had to go look it back up again. Um, experienced just that. At the age of seven, she went from being this boisterous, vibrant, wonderful child to silence. So, Galit, welcome to the show. I'm so Thank excited you. to have you here, and I'm so Thank glad that you have your voice. <laughs> I know, right? And apparently I was supposed to with what I'm doing today, so we exactly. know it all works out. Everything happens for, for a reason. Yes, yes. Not always fun when you're challenged with it, but at True. the end it makes sense. It makes sense. True. So why don't you tell us, you know, tell us what happened and what it was like back then. Sure. I remember that day quite, quite clearly. So I shared a room with my brother. He was about almost three years younger than me. And so we had like two twin beds on two different sides of the room. And my parents' room was probably two rooms over from us. And I woke up that morning and something felt a little off. And I remember calling out for my mom. And the way that I explain it to people when I share this story in my talks is, my voice pretty much sounded like this, and I'll share it with you. So it sounded like a whisper and really nothing would come out. So at first, of course, you think you're dreaming. Uh, Anyways, I got out of bed. I wasn't sick or anything. So I got out of bed. I went to my mom and I I just kept talking. And of course, as a mom of three, what do you say to your child? Oh, you probably caught a cold. Well, the week went by, the two weeks went by, the voice didn't get better. So we finally made an appointment with with an ear, nose, throat doctor. And you get that fun experience of going to a doctor when you're seven and having that thing put down your throat. Oh, those are fun. Which makes you gag the little mirrors, which is just horrible. Today it's cameras, then it was mirrors. And I remember 
they looked at my throat and they said, well, you've got a growth on your throat. Now I don't know what they're talking about. So my mom, of course, got nervous and said, you know, right away she got concerned, is it cancer? And I, she goes, no, no, no. I doubt that it is. It looks benign. But it seems to me that your daughter has a nodule on one of her vocal cords. So if you imagine two vocal cords, which I always imagine as two lines, then on one of them I've got a bump. So I've got a pretty nice bump on one of them. So my mom asked all the questions that she needed. And they said to her, typically this happens in children that scream too much and really injure their voice. Well, of course, I laughed because, first of all, what child doesn't scream? And I didn't think I was screaming more than normal. And I also was made to feel at that time like I did something to myself. I hurt myself. I injured myself, which I didn't do now I know I didn't. So in that, what happened next was we were told that there really wasn't much that they could do. It was best that we waited till I was 16 until my voice stopped changing and I would have the opportunity to come back and get a surgery to have it removed. And they suggested that I started some speech therapy. So I started some speech therapy. They pulled me out of school, which is always fun when you're in school. <laughs> to be singled out every week, twice a week, from elementary through middle school, I was pulled out to go see a, a speech therapist. So that's pretty much what happened next. So what happened after that is I went to see my speech therapist twice a week, and we started working on what she called finding my voice, which is so ironic, right? Isn't it ironic, Chasey, finding my voice? That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So do you want me to just keep going with the story till the end? Well, yeah. Okay. That's so what happened family. next? Well, I figured I'd stop just in case you had anything you wanted to ask. So <laughs> what happened next was I remember that every first day of school was so scary for me. Because if you remember the first day of school, you always show up in a class with a new teacher. A lot of times there might even be new kids you don't know. Some of them you do. But we get mixed up and there's different classes. And I remember the first day of school was so traumatic for me. Because what would happen is we would show up and they'd do roll call. And, of course, they'd mess up my name. So my name is Galit. It's spelled G-A-L-I-T, which most people pronounce as Galit, Gillette, Gallet, and about every kind of other thing you could think of. And they would call out my name, and this is exactly what would happen on the first day of every year when school started. Yeah. I would get a full-blown anxiety attack because I knew it was coming. They would say my name wrong, and then they would look up from their, from their sheet. So imagine a teacher looking up from her roll call, Gallet, Galit, and they would wait for someone to respond. And I would respond and nothing would come out. Right. And unfortunately, the whisper got worse when I got nervous. <laughs> so I would say, and she'd say, what? And here we go. Now I can laugh because it's been a lot of years. But then it was very scary for me. And every first day of school was very scary. And I always knew it came. So what happened from there is I did my dangdest to sit quietly, to not speak up. I didn't raise my hand in class. A lot of times it was used against me if I had to have points for participation. And, of course, kids can be really mean. Mm -hmm. They made fun of my voice. They made fun of my name. 
And so the story goes like this. Around the age of 13, I was at my speech therapist, and we started doing this octave training, almost like a professional singer. And I, and I won't do it because I don't have a singing voice, but I kind of basically went, ah, right? There you go. There's my singing voice. And she said, stop. And I said, stop. She said, try to speak there. And for some reason at that moment, and maybe it was six years had gone by enough time, who knows, I started speaking in the voice that you hear today. And these are the words she said to me. And sometimes people don't use their words to the best of the person they're talking to. That voice will do. And so it was so interesting to me because now I can look back and see how it could be so traumatic to a child. But that voice will do. It's not the one you were born with, but that voice will do. So at the age of 13, I like to say my voice came out of my chest. Now I still dealt with my voice cracking, losing my voice, things like that when I got nervous. Sure. I definitely deal with a lot of sinus issues and things like that, that sometimes affect it. Like today, it's a little drier than normal. Sometimes it's more hoarse than normal. But I'm thankful because now people can hear me. And it's been really an interesting experience for me, Tracy. We'll talk a little bit more about how it's affected me and how it's affected my life. But the end of that story specifically, of course, there's no ending because it keeps affecting you, is I went back to the doctor when I was 16. And I was with my mom and the doctor said, well, are you ready for the surgery? And I would go to my checkups every year to make sure that the the nodule didn't grow, that it didn't turn dangerous. Right. So when I was 16, he said, are you ready? And I looked at my mom and I looked at the doctor and I said, no, thank you. And he said, excuse me? Like it was the shock. Are you not ready to have a normal voice again? And I said, well, let me ask a few quick questions. And I had already made up my mind. And I said, do I ever have to worry about it being dangerous to my health? And he said, no. Do I have to worry about it growing? No. Okay. I said, what happens if I get the surgery? He goes, well, as soon as you get the the nodule removed, you'll have to go into speech therapy to learn to use your voice again. And so it's funny how all these ironic things. You're like, and I, said, I just did that. <laughs> yeah. So I said, no, thank you. And he didn't know what to do with me. And these were what I said. I'm at a point now where people know who I am by my voice. My voice has molded me. My voice has grown me. This is who I am. I can't imagine having a different voice. And I said, I walk behind people till today. And people turn around and say, Galit, is that you? Because I've just become so well known that at this point, Tracy, people don't even recognize that my voice is hoarse. When I share this story, they say, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with your voice. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, if if I hadn't read your story and heard that you, you know, that you had lost your voice and this is, um, this is your new voice, quote unquote, you know, it just sounds like that's the voice that you were born with. You know, nobody's, nobody the wiser. So um, I, I love that at 16, you were um, confident enough to know that that is, that is who you are, that your voice is, is part of who you are. You don't need to change it. You don't need to make it better. You've, you've accepted and embraced it. Yeah. 
And I love that because not too many 16 year olds think that way. <laughs> I do believe, I don't know if you know, but I have a master's in therapy. So I was, it was really awesome for me to go back to school and really learn about behaviors and traumatic events. And I worked with clients for a while that went through traumatic events. And I believe when I look back now that when you go through an experience, no matter what it might be when you're young, it matures you quicker because you have to deal with things that somebody else that's seven probably doesn't. Now, thank God it was only my voice. I do recognize that, okay? Sure. I recognize there are much worse things to go through, and I'm so thankful. And I told you when we decided to do this uh, podcast, when I decided to do this with you, I was like, I don't know, is that really something traumatic? Because I look at it as, uh, but other people are like, oh my gosh, really, Galit? How did you handle that? So it's interesting when we look at ourselves, we don't always see it when we overcome it, when we survive. Right. Because I like to call us survivors, as you know. I don't like to call people that go through things victims. No, so, we're not. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. That, that's a whole different show. But yeah, there's, you know, there's victim, survivorhood, thriverhood. You would definitely move past all of that into thriverhood. So yes. that, is, that is awesome. And, um, you know, and I think for me, when, when you did ask me that, you know, I don't really, trauma isn't really a word that resonates with me. You know, our voices and speaking is something we just take for granted. It's like yes. breathing. We just know that we're going to open our mouth and something is going to come out and God will yes. what, especially for me. Um, and, and I, you know, to, to lose that, I think for so many of us, because that is our number one tool for communication. Yeah. would be traumatic, but as a yes. child, maybe, maybe it's less so maybe it's, you know, who knows, you know, who knows why it, that word doesn't resonate for you. And that's fine. It's totally, totally fine. But, you know, I think for a lot of people, it, it would be, um, it would be traumatic to have to go through. I agree. Life. I you agree. Know. And I've noticed that with sharing my story, I did a YouTube video to two and a half years ago, I just felt called to, it's very raw where I literally am holding the phone and doing a video and it, I put it on YouTube, totally forgot about it. And I looked at it yesterday it has like 15,000 views and all these people commenting about their voices. And so I, and I, it's interesting because no one has shared that they have a nodule, but they'll share things like I have a hoarse voice or I and made fun of, or I really struggle. Like somebody the other day wrote, I want to be a vlogger and I know I can't because of my voice. And of course I'm like, heck, hello. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> but I do believe that you're right. I think that each of us take things differently and, and I'm good sharing this story with people just because if there's something that it can resonate in your life, that I can give you a positive outlook on that I would be more than happy to. It, it goes along with that, you know, just embracing who you are for who you are, flaws and all. My, um, my 16 year old has been in speech therapy since she was three. She's in high school now and she's still in speech therapy. She's down to once a month. Um, and she hates it, <laughs> you know, and she used to love it. She used to love speech therapy because she loved her teachers. But, you know, as she got into middle school, then she got the whole, oh, I don't want to be pulled out of my classes. And, but sure. Um, you know, people will still ask her where she's from, you know, what her accent is. Um, they often think that maybe she has, um, 
I, I don't know the, the PC way to say this, but the accent of somebody who's deaf and has learned to speak, um, you know, um, but, you know, there's, there's words that she still can't, or letters that she still can't properly pronounce and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's, it's who she is. It's just part of who yeah. she is. And, sure. you know, chances are where her speaking level is at today is where it's probably always going to be. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, you know, and trust me, she knows how to use that voice. <laughs> yes. <Badly. laughs> Good girl. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's just part of who you are and, you know, and it's, I think it's easy for me to say because, you know, I've had the same voice forever and ever, but it's, it's just gotta be something that you have to accept and embrace about yourself. Right. Now this isn't the only traumatic quote unquote thing that's happened to you. You, um, at age 15 had a, um, very devastating blow. Um, yes. So why don't you let, let's talk about that story about your best friend and, um, yeah. And how that affected you. So interesting because a few months ago I spoke at a woman's event and it was really about, it was called one fearless woman. And I don't usually share these personal stories because I do a lot of business speaking. I mean, Mm -hmm. ironically, I'm a professional speaker today and I get paid to use my voice. And uh, I I was called to share this story. And so I didn't realize it again, I think because I've worked my way through it and I'm a survivor that it could impact people in so many, in such a positive way. So the, sh- the story is that when I was 15, I was telling Tracy, I had a teen line. If you remember teen lines, for those of you that don't, basically we had a landline with a phone and we had call waiting, which was like the coolest thing ever if you were a teenager. Oh and I was on the phone and I clicked over, I was on the phone with a boy and I clicked over and my best friend was on the other line and we had a girl code. That if we were on the phone with the boy, we just called each other back. But we always answered the call waiting. Obviously, that's why it was there. So we answered, I answered the call waiting, and my best friend was on the phone. And I can remember it like yesterday. She said to me, hi, hi, Galid. I just wanted to call and tell you that I love you, and you're the best friend that a girl could ever ask for. And she sounded like her nose was stuffed. So I said, so she said, are you on the phone with such and such? I don't remember who. And I said, yeah. And she says, oh, okay. Well, I just wanted to call and tell you that I love you. And I said, are you crying? And she said, no, I have a cold. And I told Tracy that maybe I had intuition then and I didn't know it. But I said to her, you're not going to go do something stupid, are you? That was the last thing I said to her. And she said, of course not. I love you. Call me back when you're off the phone. Within an hour, and I got back on my phone call with the boy. Within an hour, I got a call from my girlfriend that lived on the same street, three, three, three houses down. And she said, uh, there's an ambulance in front of her house, in front of my girlfriend's house. Um, there's an ambulance in front of her house. I think you better get here quick. So what I remember happening next is I ran out of the room crying. My gut told me. It was so interesting because nobody told me on the phone, but my gut told me. And so I was already in tears. My mom 
my dad drove, my mom put me in the back of the car with her because I was only 15 at the time and barely like just 15 and two months. And they drove me down there. I literally remember Tracy and I could be totally wrong where we pulled up to the house. I don't even think the car stopped. And I just got out of the car and their ambulances in front and her aunt, she lived with her aunt and uncle at the time and they were out front and they grabbed me. And then I just knew because they, the aunt was in tears. So yeah. So my best friend committed suicide um, that night. And when I look back now, because I know what suicide is, there were signs. Um, if I, if you, is it okay if I share two or three of the signs that she, I just think it's a good idea. So uh, two months prior, another girl had committed suicide at our school and it's very common in high schools to have, um, sorry, my brain stopped to have duplicate suicides, copycat. Thank you. Copycat suicides. So that gave her courage in my opinion, because there was grieving and memorials and so much about her that they almost become idolized. And she also knew her by the way. And then the second thing that happened, and these are the only two things that I can remember aside from the phone call. The second thing that happened was she gave me about a week before a five by seven framed photo of her. And in the back of the frame was a letter she had written me. And she also gave me some of her prized possessions. She loved Teddy Ruxpin and I collected teddy bears. So she gave me her Teddy Ruxpin and some of the clothes. But for me as a 15 year old, that wasn't odd because my best friend loved me and she always gave me things. And we always gave each other pictures after picture day. So as a 15 year old, I just wouldn't have known better. Yeah. 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 Those are, yeah, definitely. It sounds like those are hidden signs that unless you're really trained, you're probably not going to know, but you, you blamed yourself, didn't you? I didn't. Oh, you didn't. That's probably how I overcame it. So this is what was very interesting. Don't get me wrong, Tracy. Immediately you're in grief. You're going through the stages. I mean, it was really hard on me. Uh, I, went to school the next day there were therapists waiting for us and I was just a disaster for weeks but I can't actually tell you I blamed myself good um and I'm going to be honest with you I I went through the grief I allowed myself to feel I was probably angry with her too but I think in all honesty what I've what I came out of with that was probably a lot of my personality today. Now, you know that somebody that goes through a traumatic event like that has a choice. Some people want to numb the feelings and they'll go to alcohol and addictions um, or rebellious behavior. Come on, I was a 15 teenager. But something happened different to me. I think I allowed myself to hurt. I remember even a year later, Tracy, a year later, I remember driving to the cemetery in my car and sitting, because I was driving by then, and sitting in front of a, a fountain memorial, and sitting there and just crying by myself. So don't think it went away that fast. A year later, even two years later, I remember driving by myself, sitting in front of this. I always allowed myself to be what I needed to be, but I didn't dwell in it. And I think what I came out most with, because I allowed myself to heal, was 
that I had this ability to look at life as not being guaranteed. And really, today, you could look back and say, maybe a lot of my personality, my positivity, my half-glassful mentality, the way that I'm able to take people and show them how to enjoy life and live it to the fullest is probably something to do with that suicide. Because wow. there's no way to know. I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, but tomorrow's not guaranteed even if it's not suicide. Five minutes from now isn't guaranteed. Yeah. So I think that I was able with the support around me, the grieving, the healing, to recognize that it wasn't supposed to be my path to be miserable and blame myself and be depressed. I think that I was supposed to come out of it and help people be and enjoy and not get to that place in their life. Wow, that is absolutely profound, um, especially for somebody that young. I lost my best friend, um, gosh, at least seven years, seven years this year. Holy cow, time flies. Um, she, she had been, uh, she had gone out for a quick joyride with her ex-husband, who was also her best friend, and, um, and another friend of ours. And had I been at her house that night, I would have been in the car too. He had a, one of those sleek, like $80,000, $100,000 Jaguars, sexy. Jaguars was my, my dream car for my, like, my whole life. And um, so he wanted to just take him for a quick spin down the road, show him what, what I could do. They didn't know that um, he was drunk and on pills. Oh my goodness. And so he went down this road at... I think it was around 80 miles an hour and it um, down that road, there was a, a sharp turn. And instead of taking that turn, he just kept going straight and hit this big Oak tree head on. Um, hadn't even touched his brakes. We think he actually blacked out. And um, our other friend, luckily, you know, she was, she like was frantically, she got her seatbelt on before, before it hit and my friend Cindy was in the back seat um, trying to get a seatbelt on and she she couldn't and when the paramedics showed up they had to use the jaws of life to pry her head out from under the, the, pass, or the passenger seat and um, we ended up taking her off life support a week later but you know like you the last thing I texted her I, I'd been I'd been texting her and she hadn't responded back and we had this you know we the goofy little things that we say to each other. Well, one of the things we would say was, what are you, kilt dead? Or, you know, something's been kilt dead. And so I, I texted her and I'm like, dude, what are you, kilt dead? And that was the last text I sent her. And, um, and then, you know, I got the phone call the next morning and from our friend's sister and, you know, then all the rest of it went on. But um, I, yeah, I lost my mind. But um, like you, I didn't go towards alcohol or anything like that. We had just started an animal rescue and I went full force head on into this animal rescue to the point of actually technically being considered a hoarder. Um, I had like 30 dogs at one time, 30 dogs and cats at one time in my house. Wow. Um, and you know, and I, I know now that it was just, you know, that was, that was my way of 
of kind of grieving and losing myself um, and trying to kind of keep her memory and keep her alive. Yes. These animals. So yes. Um, I remember multiple times where I would play a record. Remember those yeah. singles, those singles. Oh, yeah. And I would play them and I would just cry. You know, which one got me? I'm a music person. My life therapy is music. I see concerts at least twice a month and I love music. Mm -hmm. So when I'm sad, I play a great song this morning. I was playing from Trolls. What is it called? Get back up or something like know. that. Getting I've back. only seen trolls once, but yeah. yeah look up the song, things. getting back up or something like that. So I have, when I have rough days, I find my way, but I used to, you know, which one used to get me all the time. Patrick Swayze. She's like the wind. Mm, yeah. And I would cry and I, and I'm not talking just a month or two. I'm talking a year later, two years oh, later. Sure. I just talked about this two months ago in front of an audience and I was in shock when I started sharing the story, I teared up and I was like, my gosh, you see, it's been how many years? I'm 46 years old and I was 15. So these yeah. things stay with you. It's not that they ever go away. For me, Tracy, I believe that it's about what you choose to do with it. So I have spent my life's work helping other people, not just people that hire me and pay me, but also philanthropies and organizations and women's shelters. And I mean, I, I just for success and all sex trafficking. And yeah. I have spent my life because I'm like, there's got to be something I can do. And her memory is still, every year we have a memorial at my high school for everyone that's passed. Every year I go, every year they say her name. I actually am going to, I know that you guys don't have video, so I'm going to show Tracy, but I have a little tag that I'm holding up that has her name in the year she graduated that they just gave me a few weeks ago because they put up a new plaque in front of our school for everyone that's passed. So they stay with you. They don't go anywhere. No, no. And, and the, the nice thing is we get to keep the wonderful memories. Yes. Um, and she was can, an amazing friend. Yeah. yeah. I can still hear Cindy's laugh. Um, I can still remember some of the, we got into some of the worst name calling games ever. Um, and, and, you know, try to top each other who, who can come up with the worst name for the other person or the grossest name or, you know, just weird stuff like that, that you, you only do with that one person that you, you truly connect with on, on that yes. level. And, um, I've never found anybody to connect with like that since. Yes. Uh, and I think part of it, actually, now that we're, we're talking, I think I haven't allowed myself yes. because I was, a, I'm, I've been afraid. I, you know, I don't want to experience that pain again. Yes. And I'm going to share with you that I understand that because I've experienced that in my life. Mm -hmm. And I have to share with you that I learned years ago that to love is to be vulnerable. So you've got to be open to hurt to love. And so I think we each do it when we're ready. But I've had so many girlfriends since that day. It's so ironic, Tracy, that since that day, I've had multiple girlfriends be my best friends and then in one day leave. Now, God forbid they didn't die, but they just decided in that day they were going to walk away. Mm -hmm. And it hurts so bad when people do that. And, and you, I just had to experience recognize that look people come and people go and I don't mean through death people come and people go but I've got to allow myself to love because I'm we're humans and we need people it's just you know remember Wilson the dot the from castaways we need yeah. remember the volleyball from castaways I don't know if you saw that 
You're a bit younger. Um, I, I have, well, I haven't seen Castaways. Okay. No. So he was alone, stranded on a desert island. It's a and he, movie, right? Yes. And he yeah. took My a husband recorded that for me. He's like, you're going to watch this movie. <laughs> you really should. It's a good movie. But I think we need human contact. So we just have yeah. to make a decision. Are we going to be open to be hurt or are we going to be isolated? Yeah. But yeah. I understand that. Oh, yeah. Oh, memories. Wow, this has, been, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and being so open and honest about, um, you know, just the, the stuff that has happened in your past and how it has helped shape who you are today. Yes, I really believe that we have circumstances in our life and we can choose, choose to be a victim of our circumstances or we can choose to pick ourselves up and recognize that the next life is not guaranteed. So I'm one of those people that wants to wake up when I'm 80 or 90, God willing, and look back on my life and have no regrets. Absolutely. So I face my fears every single day. When I tell people I'm a professional speaker today and I've spoken in front of thousands of people, and then I tell them the story about my voice, I faced my biggest fear, which was speaking out loud in front of people. And today I make mistakes. I screw up. Sometimes my voice cracks. I clear my throat a lot. I even cleared it on with you today. And I just accept that perfect doesn't exist and it's not about me. Absolutely. I love that. Yes. Perfect is an illusion. (laughs) Thank you so much. And ladies who are listening, as always, thank you for tuning in. Um, I know we talked about suicide today a little bit. So if you know anybody who you even think is having, you know, showing some of those signs of possible suicide, you know, make sure you talk to them. Listen, there are suicide hotlines. There are places that you can get help um, for yourself and for them. So definitely reach out. And Tracy, if anybody's listening, that's thinking about their life being so horrible right now and thinking about the fact that it's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. I promise you that in this moment, in this moment, you can't think clearly. So give yourself another moment. Give yourself another hour. Give yourself another day. And if you look back on your life and think about horrible things that you've gone through, and it did get better, and there's enough people out there that can help, please don't isolate yourself and think you are alone. Because I promise you, you are not the first or the last person that is going to go through what you are going through today. I promise you. Absolutely. You are definitely not alone. And there is the the crisis text line, um, which I'm a, a certified crisis counselor for. You can text in completely anonymous. It's um, you just text hello to seven four one seven four one. A trained crisis counselor will come on. We are just there to listen and support you. No judgment, um, just to you know, just to be there for you. So definitely reach out. Um, they're they're there twenty four seven. So thank you again, Galit. And Thanks thank for you. having me. And we will talk to you next week on our next show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.